say, Colin? <laughs> you know, for me, you're in the future. Like, uh, like a man on the moon or in a tin pan. Welcome to the Eat Radio Podcast. And here's your host, Colin Pope from Eat Magazine. Welcome back, and here I am in Hobart, my last day. I'm just heading to the airport, but I've got time to meet one more person, so I'm really pleased that you've been able to join me on this trip. Here I am, just about to head to the airport a couple of hours, and of course, the whole trip I've been here, no sign of any seals, and so I guess maybe the joke is on me. Uh, When I get to the airport, that statue of the seal at the airport's going to be smiling uh, somehow me as if to say aha you have to come back and uh, believe me I'm going to come back I've really uh, fallen for this place as you can probably tell and uh, I hope you too have in some way and so now uh, we're just going to meet uh, somebody who I've been uh, really looking forward to meeting who Uh, As you know, I'm a huge Instagram fan and uh, we have here at Eat Magazine uh, over 10,000 followers on Instagram and uh, I love photography. It's a great medium for me to communicate and um, the irony of today is that we're going to meet a person whose Instagram profile is called Love Thy Walrus. And uh, it's very interesting, isn't it? And so anyway, look, I'm down here at the pier. We're just walking around uh, the corner. It's a beautiful sunny day. And we're just going to sit outside uh, this cafe on the pier. And we're about to meet Mr. Paul Fleming. Hi, welcome everybody. It's Cullen here from Eat Magazine and I'm I'm joined by a very special guest today, Paul Fleming, who has, many of you will know perhaps from his Instagram handle, Love Thy Walrus, is joining us. We're sitting in Hobart here down on one of the beautiful piers. It's an amazing sunny afternoon. We know that it's been snowing in New South Wales and in Victoria, which are the two states, New South Wales, where Sydney is in Australia, and Victoria, where Melbourne is. And yet we've got this glorious weather down in the south of Tasmania. So thank you for joining us, Paul. Thanks very much for having me along, Colin. It's a a pleasure to have you down here in Hobart. Brilliant. Thank you. And uh, I, I know you've got a bit of a husky voice. And so do you want to just explain that to us? Yeah, I have to apologise if um, people have a little bit of trouble understanding me today. I'm just getting over a test infection, which is one of those great things that comes around in winter. But, you know, we get through it. We still have fun. Still go outside. Okay, brilliant. And I noticed actually um, that you were outside the other day, even though we had to change this interview a little bit because you were, you were feeling a bit uh, you're feeling a bit down, and I think you were a bit under pressure as well because not only were you unwell, you were still outside photographing. And uh, I saw a couple of those early morning shots. Do you want to just? Uh, what was the one where the was that you climbing up on the log, or was that somebody else? That uh, that was a friend of mine that I was recently travelling with up in uh, northwestern Tasmania. Right. Um, I did a trip up around the the Tarkine Wilderness area, and yeah, we just sort of found ourselves in a, a lovely green forest. Um, that was one of the recent shots, but um, just the last couple of days, you know, because of the chest infection, I was feeling a little bit of cabin fever. So I just called a friend and said, we have to go out and at least try and see a sunset and try and be happy. So we did, and we found a nice quiet spot out of the wind. Um, we just missed a rain shower, but got there just in time for a nice sunset. And yeah, this beautiful big piece of driftwood, climbed up on it, and yeah, just sort of just tried to ease out of things. 
Brilliant, because that, that was a fantastic shot. And just, um, I guess, bringing listeners into your success, uh, not only as a photographer, but also your success on Instagram, I understand that you're going to be giving us this first part of the interview a couple of little tips for Instagram. Is that right? Yeah, look, I'd love to share what I've learned. Um, that's, I've been, like, the, the biggest thing that I've taken out of Instagram is that it is a social platform. You can't do things by yourself or be insular. You have to share and connect with people. So hopefully I can pass along something for you. All right, brilliant. And I noticed that you've got, you've got over 50,000 uh, followers on Instagram. By the time this interview comes out, I don't know how many more you'll have. <laughs> I assume you could have a whole lot more. Who knows? <laughs> do you want to just talk to us a little bit about uh, that process, the transition, and, and how that happened? Yeah, so as you said, my Instagram following is you know, fairly significant, considering where I am at the, the other side of the world to, to most people. But this is a, a full-time job that I have taken on just in the last couple of months. And that full-time job is doing travel and social media influencing through my Instagram account and mostly in the travel sphere. So I guess that transition took about a year all up. I did have a day job that was office-based, nine to five. Not the most interesting job in the world to be doing, but it was steady and it paid well. So trying to transition into something that is very irregular, inconsistent and doesn't always pay great, it was a massive leap of faith. But as I said, I made the transition over a period of about a year until I could get to the point where I could just decide to make that giant leap forward. Right. And so, I mean, I guess it's part of that entrepreneurial sort of startup culture, really, in a sense, which, which I think down here in Hobart and certainly in Tasmania, there's that very fierce independent streak uh, where, where I think people are very inclined to go out on their own and, and, and do things differently, I guess. And so what's, what's been the m- most different route that you've taken through that Instagram pathway that perhaps other people in that social media sphere might not have taken? Uh, the way to sum that up would be that I'm using my geographic location to my advantage. And I think that's what a lot of entrepreneurial people here are doing that we have to stand out and we have to be different. Otherwise, we just fade away and no one ever will ever know that we existed. So for me, being on social media, it's all visual. Instagram is entirely visual. So living in a place like Tasmania, being based in Hobart with access to amazing wilderness all around us and beautiful heritage and history as well, I'm using that to my advantage. So I can share some places that, to me, it's my quite literally my backyard at times, but for other people around the world, it's exotic and it's intriguing and inspiring. So I'm trying to share more stories of what we have here rather than see it as a negative thing that I'm far away from everyone. Social media has brought me closer to everyone. Brilliant. And I, I know that your, your work is not only is it very detailed, it's, it's also very dramatic. There's a real depth to it and it's not necessarily a depth of field i guess it's your it's your personality as well isn't it shining through those through those photographs and so That's you've right. developed very much your own style and your own way of your own way of doing things do you want to just talk to us about how that's evolved imagining i guess when you first started out even a few years ago that you probably didn't have that a depth of flair nope. <laughs> and, and do you want to just tell us about about that whole beginning process I guess it goes a long way back. So my family was a family of very keen bushwalkers. Both my parents were deep into conservation of our natural world. So our school holidays weren't spent, you know, in high-rise places going to theme parks or anything like that. We went bushwalking and we went away for a couple of weeks at a time, just the four of us. 
So at the time, perhaps I didn't appreciate what was happening as well as I could, but that's what kids do. But as I've come into adulthood, I can really appreciate the fact that I got to see some amazing places and got an appreciation for what those places mean to us and to future generations. So being based in Tassie, you know, I guess I, I took those for granted at, at times that they were just there and I just thought that was normal. But the more that I've been sharing on social media, I've realised actually most people in the world don't have access to places like we do here and the ease of the access and how close it is to where we live. So bringing that to my Instagram account, it wasn't deliberate. It wasn't something I set out to do. At, at no point when I signed up to Instagram did I think in three years' time I'd be doing this as a full-time job. It just wasn't the plan. But I was just taking pictures of places that I enjoyed and I enjoyed sharing a connection to those places through the captions that I include. So I usually say where it is, why I like it, um, a reason that's made me feel special or that someone else may feel it was special. But in terms of my photography that you're saying has sometimes a dramatic feel to it, I think it's just me trying to make a connection for people. So trying to, you know, the image captures their attention first as they're scrolling through Instagram. But I really hope that image makes them stop and read the caption as well. And I know that's where I've picked up a loyal following that a lot of uh, Instagram accounts, people just look at the, the photo, they might double tap to like it, they'll move on. Whereas I know my following is very loyal, they expect to read something about the location. And that's one of my strengths as, again, uh, for the travel Instagramming is that people are expecting to know what I'm looking at. Brilliant. Thank you. And uh, can, I, can I ask, I guess uh, there's a little bit of a technical side to this, obviously, and then there's also some heart as well. When we look at the technical side of that, what, what sort of camera are you using for a lot of your photographs? So predominantly on my account, it was just using uh, different iPhones as they came out. Up until, I guess, mid-last year, where I switched to using just a, a Nikon D5100. So a crop sensor camera, fairly good camera, not entry level, but you know, it was pretty decent. And I just enjoyed playing around with that. And I had that for a little while, uh, until late last year, I decided to upgrade to a Nikon D750. And that kind of went against what I felt with Instagram, being insta instant that I really enjoyed shooting from my phone, posting in the moment, whereas now I have shifted it to be a bit more polished. And that's really a result of the fact that I'm taking this more seriously as a job. So I do need to edit more and make sure that the pictures that I'm collecting can be used by clients as well with a better resolution than what I can get with the phone. But on the other hand, I have a really good reputation for mobile photography. So I'm still happy to shoot with the phone and share things out that way. But I get, it's not really about the camera to me. It's what you can capture with it. All right, that's, that's good to hear because I've been travelling now, uh, well, the last few days in and around Hobart and Tasmania. I can't begin to tell you. I've got my Canon uh, 550D, I've got my Android Samsung phone, <laughs> I've got my iPad. And I must confess, I was trying to take photographs with my iPad the other day, which I know <laughs> is a big no-no for most people. But sometimes sometimes when you know the camera's packed away and there's a sunset coming out or there's a bird crossing or there's something happening, happening and the only thing is you, you've got is your iPad and you just have to take that shot because the phone's got no battery in it. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can find, just find yourself stuck in those places. Have you got any tips for anybody that was taking photographs with their iPad apart from don't take photographs with your <laughs> iPad? <laughs> well, um, what would my tip be apart from don't? Look, I, really, I think it comes down to the fact that the best camera really is the one that you have with you. It's cliche and everyone says it, but I believe it. That's why I still shoot a lot with my phone. Most of my posts to Twitter is my phone account because oh, it's from my phone, sorry, so I can just get it straight out there in the moment. 
If you're going to use an iPad, you really have to go for something that's a well-lit scene and hold it very, very steady. The cameras in the iPads are not great. They're not anywhere near the level of an iPhone camera or even many of the Android phones. But you can still take a good picture. And if it's just a quick moment that you're trying to remember, then go for it. If you're trying to make a, a giant wall print out of it, don't go near it. All right, brilliant. Thank you very much. And uh, uh, just before we... Um, we're going to go to the break shortly in this first part. And there's a couple of things I wanted to ask you before then. Now, I guess one of the things that I... I guess it's so easy with the phone is that you can t- you can take the photograph so quickly and instantly you can upload it to Instagram uh, where your account is and you can put in your caption and put in your hashtags and, and all of those things. Now, if people are taking photographs with their phone, whether it's a Samsung, Android or Windows or uh, any other phone at all, an iPhone, what tips would you uh, give photographers using their phones first and foremost? And then secondly, what tips would you give them in terms of upping their followers on Instagram and and sort of really beginning to kind of make a mark? So in terms of using a phone, like the phone cameras are amazing these days. There's no reason why you can't be using that all the time. I think when I'm looking at taking a picture and what I might share, I'm really thinking about why I'm doing that. Am I just doing it as a snapshot or or do I want someone to feel something from that? And obviously having a phone on hand is perfect for those moments that just pop up that you can't plan for. So I often use my phone when I'm out and about. Daylight today, down on the docks, there's lots of seagulls around. I don't know if you can hear it, but there is actually a seal over in the water off to our side that is sort of uh, playing around at the moment. So moments like this where I don't have my camera with me, I'd be grabbing my phone. Right, and with that <laughs> we're going to go straight to the break. Thanks. <laughs> I'm going to keep recording, but I'm getting my camera out. Have you got your phone? I do, but I don't have a camera. Other tip of mobile phones, don't use the zoom on your, cam- on your phone. Wow. So this seal is one that hangs around here fairly often. Right. Some of the people who run the fish pumps will feed it. Yeah. He's just having a lazy day. So, of course, I've spent the last four days looking for a seal, right? I've been to Bruni Island twice. Did you do the Pennycott's cruise? Um, no, we didn't uh, get on there because of... I remember ten members of my family. Oh. And, uh, there's a sanity uh, that's difficult to find in that moment. Actually, one of the things I'm, I'm struggling with, because I'm just starting to get into Instagram, mm-hmm is that I'm so used to this damn camera and then you've got to get the photographs from this camera onto the computer and then from the computer onto Instagram. It's a nightmare. How do you manage it? I manage it because one of the selling points of the the Nikon D750 has built-in Wi-Fi. Yeah, right. So if a moment like this, if I got a good picture of the seal, I would Wi-Fi that picture straight to my phone. Yeah. I would edit it on the phone and just post it. Yeah, Whereas right. ones like, I've just been away on this trip um, 10 days or so ago, I was only editing on the iPad, on the iPad, on the uh, MacBook at night, yeah. doing it that way. Okay. And the best way, that I can, best way that I can get it onto the phone is yeah. via Dropbox or a similar thing. So that was, that was brilliant. And so uh, you said you had, your, you had your phone with you, but, yeah. but 
Uh, so let me go back and ask that question then, I guess, again. How do you manage with your Nikon? Um, because I always have problems. You know, I take photographs of my good Canon 550D, and then I've got to get home, and I've got to try and get them onto the computer and then get them from the computer onto Instagram, and it's just a real nightmare on so many different levels. Maybe Dropbox is the way to go. I'm not sure. I'm working all of that out yet. What do you do? So for me, there's two avenues that I go down if I've taken it on my Nikon. If it's a picture that doesn't really need much editing to it, like it was a nice sunny day and there's no shadows that need to be worked on, I actually Wi-Fi that straight from my camera to my phone. I'll tweak it if I need to and I'll post straight from there. When I'm away on a trip and work for a client, it's more likely that I'll take pictures all during the day and then at night I'll edit on the laptop. And as you said with Dropbox, that is what I use. It does rely on an internet connection, of course, to work, um, but I do also use a MacBook. Um, so I can airdrop directly from the laptop to my phone or to my iPad to post from there. Oh, yeah, okay, so I'm just thinking about that. So, so you, can, um, you can airdrop, uh, you can't airdrop, uh, okay, so you can Dropbox from your camera to your Mac. Not from the camera, from the, between the, oh, any, any laptop or computer to your phone yeah. uh, or to your iPad because it uses just an internet connection, a third-party piece of software, whereas AirDrop is built into the Apple or ecosystem and I can just send things direct if I need it straight away. Okay, and so therefore you're AirDropping uh, from your Mac onto your phone or your iPad so that you can upload from there? That's correct, yeah. If it's something that I really want to post now, I'll send it straight to the phone. If I'm happy to wait for the little cloud backup to happen first, I'll just load to that and I'll download it from my phone when I need it. Okay, brilliant. And then uh, how often are you posting um, during the day or the week generally? On a, a general basis, I post at least once a day, at least. Usually I try and post up to three times a day. That's about my like, good posting amount, so I can catch people around the world different times of the day. But it really does depend on what I'm doing. So if I'm away on a trip, especially in some parts of Tasmania where phone reception is not the greatest, I might actually go a couple of days without posting. That doesn't mean that when I come back, I'll post six photos on the first day to try and make up the numbers. I'll just maintain that maximum of three to four. Uh, otherwise, it does get a little bit spammy on people's feeds. Right, okay, brilliant. All right, well, thank you very much. We'll uh, end the first part of this interview now, and uh, we look forward to joining you again shortly. Great, we'll chat again soon. Wow, and so wasn't that great? Uh, there we were uh, sitting down, and uh, we had the seal splashing around us. I didn't even hear it, and, uh, and so it's been a really tremendous finish to this trip I guess as well uh, so great to get some really good tips from Paul and of course he has some great ones coming up in the second part of this interview on managing phones and cameras and that sort of thing and so I look forward to you joining us for part two and I just want to mention Paul has also just bought a book out so I'll include that link to his book and his website which is lovethywalrus.com so that's www.lovethywalrus.com and the funny part of that interview is what got cut out in a way. And uh, there's a part where you can't hear me when he first mentions it, where I was jumping up and down and uh, there was some colourful kind of language as uh, as I was just, I was just kind of so freaked out, I guess, in a way that there was the seal beside us. So it was kind of crazy. And um, so, yeah, it was just, yeah, I don't know. 
one of those things. Ironically, now I can't find that bit of the recording, so who knows? So anyway, look, another breaking news that Eat Magazine, uh, the podcast for Eat Magazine, has made it into the Australian Podcast Awards where you can actually vote in the popular vote. Uh, just managed to get that sort of in there today, and so I, don't, I haven't managed to get any votes in there or uh, tell anyone about it, but I'm telling you. And uh, so I'd really uh, appreciate it if you've been enjoying the show, if you want to go in and vote for us. It's so easy. You can do it on your phone. I'm going to include the link inside this podcast. Uh, but if you can remember this, if you go to the castawayawards.com.au, and when you get in there, you just scroll down um, until uh, you can see. I think you go on there and then there's a voting still open. Uh, you scroll down and you can see the black icon of the Eat Magazine podcast. You just hit the thumbs up and then all it asks you for is your email and your name and you create a password and that uh, carries that vote through and you can see your vote through and go in and hopefully add on to the other ones <laughs> once I get uh, round to telling people about that. So you're the first to know. And uh, so there we go. And so we look forward to you joining us uh, in a part two and we look forward to you uh, supporting us if you can on the Castaway popular vote for the Australian Podcast Awards, which are at castawayawards.com.au Cheers If you're a listener in the US you can simply text the word EATMAG which is E-A-T-T-M-A-G and if you want that in Echo uh, Art, Technology, Travel M for Maggie A for Apple G for Grapple uh, it's EATMAG and you can text that if you're in the US now to 1480 if you're in Australia, you simply text the word EATMAG to 61428479700. If you're in the United Kingdom, in the UK, Scotland, England, Wales, you can text Ireland as well. You can text EATMAG to 447903567718. And if you're in Canada, you can simply text EATMAG to 1587 800 4323 and you can just replay those numbers i know it sounds like there's a lot of numbers in there but wherever you are you can just text eat mag from those four countries if you're in there and we'll um, send you some instructions and you can basically subscribe to our updates that way so really pleased to finally get that off the ground and uh, thank you very much for joining us and we'll see you next time